Hi, I'm Aubrey Charette. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to this podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Join us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. I'm so grateful today that the presence of the living God is not contained in a building, in a place, in one home or another. In these days, I actually believe the spirit of the living God is being unleashed beyond the walls. And so what a beautiful day it is. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you. Uh, Again, I'm Pastor Adrian. Um, Get the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here. And so, so great to get to celebrate Easter with you today. And can we just be honest for a minute? Is it okay if we're just honest? And I know most of you are watching this at home. And you're maybe watching with your family. And we're really good at being honest with our family. So can we just be honest for a minute that this is, it's kind of a weird Easter, right? I mean, it's okay. We don't have to pretend. Um, It's just like you might be watching this today and you're a little more comfortably dressed than you might be uh, on Easter, right? Like no judgment on the sweatpants, okay? And I don't know the last time you showered. Some of you might be getting away with that these days. I don't, I don't know. But it's just a little weird, right? And uh, some of you, though, I know, I know, you got all, you decked out, right? Like I hope some of you got the Easter hat on and you're sitting there looking real good this morning. But can we just acknowledge that it's just a weird, a weird Easter, but it's beautiful nonetheless, Lauren and I, we've got four kids. I've shared that before uh, with those of you that are church family and you know that. And so if you're a parent in these days, man, my heart is going out to you because there's just some real beauty and some real fun and some real chaos in these days. But we're, we're surviving. We're making it happen. And uh, a couple things to know about us. Uh, really one big thing to know, I talk about this often, is we are huge Boston sports fans. Now, I can hear your jeers. I can hear your boos all the way from your living room, so just just stop. I guess you can mute me if you really don't want to hear it. But uh, listen, we huge, huge fans. A couple years ago, we got to take our kids, um, our oldest three, to our first Red Sox game. Uh, I got a picture here on the screen of me and my boys. Uh, I took them to their first Celtics game not that long ago. And yeah, we're standing there by the Wizards because we went to D.C. And we won. That's right, we won. It was a sweet game. And uh, we had a lot of fun. And I actually show you this picture today, not to just brag about my Boston Celtics beating the Washington Wizards, but because I want to tell you a story this morning about another Boston Celtics fan. Uh, His name was Eric. And Eric Torpy, uh, you you probably have never heard of him. And, And there's really not a reason you should, except he did one thing that was rather extreme. Some people would say even kind of stupid. In 2005, he asked a judge to prolong his prison sentence. That's right. He, he was sentenced for 30 years in prison, and he asked the judge in Oklahoma that day if the judge would extend his sentence by three extra years. Do you want to know why? Because his favorite player on the Boston Celtics was number 33, Larry Bird. Now, I tried so hard, being a Celtics fan, to get a Larry Bird jersey to wear. To, I thought that would be so cool 
on Easter to, to represent. But there's nowhere in this valley to get a Larry Bird jersey right now. I tried, okay? I was going to break the glass on someone's wall and take down the framed one. But I couldn't do that. So, but, but think about this, okay? Think about this. This guy is such a fan, such a fanatic that he asks and the judge grants him three extra years onto his sentence so that instead of having just 30 years, he could have 33. Needless to say, Eric made national headlines for all the wrong reasons. He, in fact, now many years later, says he regrets that decision. Why, Why do I start with such an outrageous story like that? Well, you see, the truth is, as crazy as it sounds and unreasonable as Eric Torpy's life sounds to you and me, I actually begin with that story because I think, I, I actually believe that's exactly what happens to you and me all the time. I mean, think about it. Eric, he had a prison sentence. He had uh, some faults and failures that he had to own, and he had to do his time. But rather than learning from that, paying the consequence, turning the page and moving forward, he actually chose to extend his prison sentence. He actually chose to take what had happened in the past and extend it even further into the future. And I believe, without realizing you and I do that all the time. You see, we're beginning a new series today. It's called Free From Yesterday. And the reality is is that our past, our past, it's not fun to talk about. It's not really fun to think about. But it has a drastic impact on who we are today and in the years to come. And if we don't realize it, if we don't take charge, if we don't allow God to come in and move and work, just like Eric, we can be allowing the things of the past to carry forward into our future you see today, it doesn't, it doesn't matter today. It doesn't matter the things that, that we have done, maybe the things that have been done to us, both, either, or. The reality is, is that all of those things impact us today. And you may say today, you may say, well, well I'm free. I'm free of everything except my past. But the reality is, if you can't be freed from your past, then you can't be free at all. If you can't be free from your past. You can't be free at all. And so there's a statement we're going to come back to in the weeks ahead. Really today is just week one of the series that we're going to continue in the weeks ahead. I hope you'll join us. But we're going to come back to this statement time and time again, and it's a challenging one for me. God's been using it to really convict me. But the truth is this, is that your past, your past has no more power over you than what you give it. Your past, my past, has no more power over you than what you give it. And as soon as I say those words, I know because this is my reaction. I want to say, yeah, but but what about? But 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 let's be fair, Adrian. That's not, because that that is a hard statement. That's a hard pill to swallow, right? Because each and every one of us have. A past, and while I don't know all that you've been through, I know that each and every one of us have experienced difficulty, brokenness, hardship. But we believe because of what the power of God is able to do, not just on Easter, but on every day, we believe this to be true that your past has no more power over you than what you give it. And today, if you're willing to, Today and in the weeks ahead, if you're willing to lean in and trust God and have enough faith, I believe, I believe, then he can set you free from yesterday. 
We're going to be opening up uh, God's Word today to Philippians chapter 3. This is a passage that for us, uh, really over this next series, is going to be foundational for us. And so I would encourage you, I would encourage you to open your Bible and, and highlight it or put your bookmarker there or, or open up your version. We, we set up an event uh, for today. I'd love for you to go there and follow along with us. But these verses that the, uh, a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote, will be foundational for us, not just today, but in the weeks ahead. And so I want to go there with me. If you would turn, if you have your copy of Scripture, could you turn uh, to Philippians 3, starting with verse 10. And we're going to read Paul. And Paul, he became one of the most well-known missionaries the church had ever known. Literally about half of the New Testament we have because of the work and obedience of Paul. And Paul had a past. He had some baggage. He had some things that he had done. He had some things that were done to him. We'll talk about that in a minute. But in spite of all that, he writes these words in Philippians chapter 3. And I want you to follow along with me at home if you have your copy of Scripture. Philippians 3, starting with verse 10, it says this. This is Paul writing. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection in participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying, I, I want to know Christ, and this is not um, know about something. And we know that because we, we know the New Testament was written in Greek. And so we can look at kind of the nuance of that word. Like we use that word know, like I know about someone, I know someone personally, I know about the alphabet, I, you know, all these different words. But, but Paul is saying here, he, it's not that I want to know about Christ. He's saying, I want to know Christ personally. That's the context of, of this word. And specifically, specifically, what are the two ways that he wants to know Christ? We see it right here in the text. The first is the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. Again, this is what it means. This is what it means. He starts by saying, I want to know Christ. And how does he want to know Christ? He wants to know the power of his resurrection. And then, not just the power of his resurrection, but participation in his sufferings. This is what it means for Paul to know Christ. Oh, man, I love the power, don't you? That's exciting. <laughs> I, I like that. Ooh, yeah, God, God is alive. And, and Jesus raised from the dead. I want to know, know that kind of power. Man, that's exciting. But Paul's not just saying that. That's the fun part. <laughs> Paul's not just saying, I want to know Christ in that way. He's saying, I want to know Christ even in his suffering. Because, you see, Jesus didn't come as a conquering king. Jesus didn't come to seize power and control. The way of Jesus was the way of the cross, and it was the way of serving, the way of humility, the way of weakness, the way of obedience. It was the way of the suffering servant. And so what Paul is saying here is profound. He's saying, I want to know Christ, and I want to know the power of his resurrection, but I even want to know him in suffering, in hardship, in obedience, even when it's hard. That's what Paul's saying as we read in these words. And so when we do that, what, what does that mean? We know Christ that we identify in these ways with, with the power, but also the suffering. This is what it means to know Jesus, Paul's saying. And what, what is the result then of knowing Jesus like that? Well, Paul says that we identify. We identify with two things. We identify with his death. Right? Right? Because we know Christ and we know the power of his resurrection, the participation of his suffering. And then what's the result of knowing him like that? Well, well, it's becoming like him in death. 
and becoming like him in resurrection. Paul would say it this way later, I have been crucified with Christ. That's a, that's a literal laying down of his life. But, but, but this is what he said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. See, he's talking about the death but resurrection of Christ. And so to know Christ, Paul's saying, is we know the power. Yeah, we, we know even the suffering. But in doing that, we identify and we have new life. Oh, yeah, yeah we die to self, but in that we experience incredible resurrection. This is good news. This is good news for us this Easter you see, we, we believe in a God that raises the dead. We, we do. We believe in a, in a God that raises dead faith. Today, you might be watching and saying, man, my faith is dead. It's, it's on life support. It's got no heartbeat. It's flatline. We believe in, in a God that raises dead dreams. You buried that thing. You stuffed it. You thought it was long gone. We believe in a God that raises dead marriages, right? They've been left. They've been long gone. That can't happen anymore. We believe in a God that raises the dead. And that's what Paul's saying is, is there's resurrection power in knowing Christ like that. That's what happened in Paul's life. You see, Paul wasn't always named Paul. He was Saul. And he was like the, the church's most wanted. He was a convict. He, he's, he was public enemy number one. He made his mission to destroy the way of Christ. But he experienced resurrection he experienced, we, we call it here at HFC in transformation. Our mission statement as a church is we're transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. And it's all because of knowing, knowing Christ in this way. To know him in his death and resurrection. So, so now, now let's get on to verse 12 of chapter 3. Because the rest of the passage is really how. We, we've read about the, the what is it to know Christ. What does it mean to identify with his life and, and death, his, his resurrection. But now Paul goes on to say this in verse 12 of Philippians 3. He says, not that I've already attained this. Man, I'm really glad he said that because up to now I felt pretty defeated. But Paul's saying, not that I've already attained this. Or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Man, if you've got like a, a Bible you can highlight, please highlight this. One thing I do. What does he say? Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In case you thought, in case you thought that, that the Easter message, the Easter message has no power over your past, has nothing to say over your past, there it is, right there in Philippians chapter 3. That Paul says, Man, I don't have this down yet. I don't have it all figured out, but let me tell, let me tell you the one thing I do know. The one thing I'm doing, I am forgetting about the past. I'm putting it behind me. And Paul, he, he has memory. It's not that he, has, he suffers from lapses. No, no. What he's saying here, it's not a literal forgetting. But what he's doing is he's removing the power. He's allowing God to remove the power of that memory. The weight of that memory. Paul's saying, I'm putting that behind me and I'm pressing on. I'm straining ahead towards what? God has for me. He's talking about being free from yesterday, isn't he? Right there. Philippians 
chapter 3, we believe today freedom is possible. Freedom from sin. Freedom from living a meaningless, self-centered life. Some of us right now, if we were honest, that's the kind of life we're living. It's all about me, 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 me. And especially in this time, especially in this season, where so much around us is so uncertain, a life like that, it just seems worthless, doesn't it? But God can set us free. We believe he can even set us free from the weight of yesterday. But... Maybe I'm the only one, right? Maybe I'm the only one that reads that and says, yeah, but. I mean, maybe everyone else, you're tracking and you're, hallelujah, woo, let's sing, we're done. But if you're like me, I love Philippians chapter 3. I believe it's God's word and it's God's truth, but, but I have my own little running commentary in my mind often as I read these words. And maybe I'm the only one, but, but uh, oftentimes I'll read these words and read this truth and believe that God can set us free from the weight of yesterday. But see, deep inside, somewhere deep within me, there's a struggle that exists. There's a war being waged. You see, I used to think it was just kind of low self-esteem. I used to think that I just lacked confidence that other people had. And maybe I would grow out of it or maybe I would just get over it one day. And, but, but see, I started to learn something about myself. You see, it was more than that. What it really was is deep inside me there was this belief that I am unworthy. That I am unlovable. That, that it was more than that. It was more than just lacking confidence. It was more than just looking down on myself. That I believe deep inside, whether I would say it out loud or not, I believe deep inside I, I'm deeply flawed, unworthy of love. And so after I began to seek the Lord and after I, I journeyed for years and years and years with the, the weight of this hanging in my past, I learned that what I was dealing with is called shame. Call it what it is. It's It's shame. And what is shame? Shame is the belief, the belief that we're flawed and therefore we're unworthy of love and belonging. That, that shame is this fear. It's a fear of disconnection, the belief that something I've done in my past or something that I failed to do makes me unworthy of connection. And maybe I'm the only one today. I don't think I am. But oftentimes... When I read truths like Philippians chapter 3, shame rears its ugly head and says in my ear, yeah, not you, buddy. You're unworthy. You're unlovable. You do not belong. Here's the truth about shame. As I've done some research and, and reading and uh, many, many have written and studied and a lot that I could credit and attribute to today. But here's three realities about shame. Uh, reality number one is we all have it. We all do, and so it's not just me today, but uh, whether you recognize it, whether you've called it what it is, we all in our lives deal with shame. Reality number two, though, is that we don't like to talk about it, right? We don't like to talk. We don't want to acknowledge it. We want to pretend like it's not there. We certainly don't want to talk to other people about it, but reality number three is the less we talk about it, the more control it has over our lives, and so some of us today, we're slaves to the shame of our past. Because we haven't acknowledged it. Because we haven't acknowledged it before the Lord, before other people. And today, I believe, the Lord wants to set us free, even from the shame of yesterday. I want to close uh, with the last few minutes that we have together with a story. It's a powerful picture. I, I'm a visual learner. 
I love words, I love hearing things, but, but I got to see things sometimes. And so I wanna, I'm going to close with a story where we can, we can really visualize what our Lord, what our Savior, how he felt about this idea of shame. And so I hope today as we close, you can carry this image with you, that you can see this mental picture, this snapshot in your mind. If you would with me, turn uh, to John chapter 8, John's gospel. We're going to close with what I believe is a powerful story, one of the most powerful stories where Jesus comes face to face with a woman who was ashamed. The weight of her past was so heavy, she probably believed she could never be set free. And I want to close today with good news. Because even her, even she, terrible grammar, even she could experience freedom from yesterday. Free from her past. Let, let's begin reading in, in John's Gospel uh, chapter 8, starting with verse 2, and we'll pause and talk a little bit about what we're reading here, but here's the story. It, it says this, At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. I want to reset this story again for you for just a minute. That this is a woman. She has no name. We know nothing about her except that she was caught in the act of of adultery. Now we're going to keep it PG, okay, because I know there's kids and everybody tuning in, but I just want you to understand what that means. That doesn't mean that she has the reputation of being an adulteress. That doesn't mean she has a reputation in town of sleeping around. That means that this specific occasion, she was caught in the moment, dragged out, whatever was happening, dragged out, and not just brought to Jesus, but in the middle of the temple, People were there to worship. People were there gathered, maybe on a Sunday, like, or gathering on a typical Sunday morning where they would gather and they would come to worship. And, and here gets brought in this woman, dragged in the midst of it all, and thrown at the feet of Jesus. And her crimes are spoken not just for her, not just for Jesus, but for everyone to hear. And the message of the religious leaders that day was clear shame on you. Shame on you. Look at, look at what we caught you doing. And the reason I know that is because it's right there in the text. Look at what they say to Jesus. They say, the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. Women like this. You see, that's what shame does. Shame, shame uh, guilt says I did something bad, but shame says I am bad. And right there in the moment, that's what they're doing. Look at such women like this, Jesus. We're supposed to stone them. Shame right there in the midst of it all. And how would Jesus respond? He does something a little bit odd, a little bit unexpected. Let's continue to read. It says, but Jesus bent down. He started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground at this. Those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman 
standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And then, we're going to get to the verse here, but, but I just, you, you got to take a snapshot here in your mind. You got to take a picture of Jesus with this woman in all of her shame, in all of her brokenness. The law said guilty as charged. But I want you to picture her at the feet of her Savior. The Savior that would go to the cross for her sin. The Savior that was on a mission. Not just a mission to teach and to preach and to do miracles. No, but a mission that would end at the cross of Calvary. And I want you to get a picture of him looking into her eyes and saying this. Neither do I condemn you. Now go. And leave your life of sin. Go. Leave your life of sin. You see, there's a difference in our lives. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. There is a difference. I have been many, many times in my life, I've been convicted. Not in court, okay? Don't, don't worry about that. But, but I mean before the Lord. I've been convicted. He's, he's nudged me and said, hey, Adrian, the way you talked to your kids today, that wasn't cool. The way you've been focusing too much on this area of your life. You got, and there's conviction that comes. And, and, and conviction is normal. But, but see, the truth is, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Because conviction corrects. Conviction leads us to repentance. Leads us to redemption. But condemnation shames. See, conviction corrects. But, but condemnation shames. And Jesus looks right into her eyes. He looks right into her eyes and he wants her to know, I do not condemn you. I do not condemn you. Paul said it this way. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There is no shame. That's not God's message for you. That's not from God. When you hear that, when you believe that message and you somehow believe that even God thinks that about you, that's not of him. Because as Paul said in Romans 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, the gospel message, the gospel message is not a message of condemnation. The gospel message is not a message of shame on you. And some of you watching today, that's what you thought. That's why you think God feels about you every day of your life. You get up and you feel so ashamed and you feel like God is so disappointed and you don't think there's any way that the things that you've done in the past, how flawed and broken and empty you are, you think even the God of the universe looks at you and says, shame on you, but that's not the gospel. This is how we define the gospel here at HFC, and we've used this several times, but I just want to be clear this morning. What are we talking about when we say the gospel? Because this has everything to do with Easter. This is what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news message that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. Praise the Lord. He was raised to life. That's what Easter's all about. He ain't dead no more. Go look. He's not there. The tomb is empty, right? So, so he was raised to life, victorious over the power of death. And in choosing to live for him, we can be free from the power of sin. 
And, and get this, we can experience abundant life today in eternal life in heaven. See, the truth about you and me is we were dead in our sin. We were enemies of God. That we were, according to this, this book, God's word, that the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserved. You and I, we deserve death. But the beauty of the gospel is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We, we, he didn't come so, because we would polish ourselves off and look the part. And be, no, no, no. He came even when we were sinners, even when we were far from God, even when we were enemies of God, he came for us. And the truth about uh, Easter that we celebrate is that Jesus came and he would pay the price for us. That's the message. A debt I could not pay and a debt he did not owe. He paid it for you and me when he gave himself for us on the cross. But we celebrate today not just the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus because he didn't stay dead. No, no, he did not stay in the grave. He rose from the dead, victorious, even over death. So what is it in your life? That is greater than death. What is it? The shame of your past feels so heavy, but Jesus conquered even death. So there is nothing today. There is nothing in your past that's too heavy. There is nothing in your past that is too broken. There is no way today that you can believe in truth that you are too flawed, too unlovable for a God like that because he overcame death. And he rose into heaven victorious. And today, you and I, we can choose to live for him. We can experience life today and life eternally with him in heaven. That's good news. That's the gospel. It's not a gospel of condemnation. It's not a gospel of shame on you. It's a gospel where Jesus picks you up out of your shame and puts your face in his hands and says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. He loves you that much. Today, I just believe that some of us that are watching and some of us that are worshiping, we, we need to, in faith, ask the Lord to deliver us from the shame of our past. We need to, in faith, whether you have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you do, man, that's great. But today, there is new victory available to you as we allow the God who does not come to condemn, but to set us free, and we give him permission today. We give him permission to set us free. I believe some of you today, maybe you don't know Jesus yet, and man, he wants to walk in relationship with you. Not, not some empty religion, not some, no, but a real relationship with you, where he walks and he shows you what real life is. Not a life centered on self, not a life bent towards sin and destruction and brokenness, but true, meaningful life. And so right now, I believe, many of us watching Many of you gathered in around to worship with us today. I believe God is speaking to you. And in just a minute, we're going to pause and we're going to step back and we're going to hear a beautiful song. A beautiful song that, that invites us to surrender. A beautiful song that reminds us of the debt that was paid. A beautiful song that reminds us the truth of God's word, the gospel that we proclaim. But before we pause and before we pray, if that's you today, 
and you sense the Lord speaking to you, you sense that there's some things in the past, there's some shame that, that is welling up in your past, and today you're ready to ask the spirit of the living God, the power that Paul talked about, right, that raised Jesus from the dead, you're ready to ask the living God to help set you free from the shame of your past. If that's you, I want to ask you right now to be so bold. I want to ask you, in a minute we're going to pray, but I'm going to ask you to be so, so bold right now. You're watching on Facebook. I want you to put your name there. That, that's bold, right? But what that's saying is, it's me, God. Here I am. It's my name. You know my name, God. But right now, if, if you're watching somewhere else right now, would you just have the confidence of putting your name down right there? And we don't do that for the applause of men. We don't do that for the audience of others. But right now in this, in this sacred moment, it's almost like saying, Lord, here I am. It's my name, Lord. And by right now, thank you, those of you that are responding right now in faith, I believe there's power. There's power in obedience. There's power in surrender. And so right now, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you'll experience the freedom that only comes in Christ. The power of the gospel that we proclaim. Jesus, right now, many of us are responding. Many of us are just taking a moment to, to write down our name. We're, we're just saying our name, God, and, and you already know our name. You already know our name, but by just taking a moment even now, God, to do that, what we're saying is I surrender with all that I am. We just sang that a few minutes ago. God, God, we want all of you. And so today we surrender. We surrender the sin of our past. We surrender the shame and brokenness of our past. And we believe because the tomb is empty, because Jesus overcame death, we believe today that you can overcome the shame of my past, the brokenness of my past, whatever it is in me today that feels unlovable, even that, God, you can give us victory. This is the gospel today. Would you help us? Would you help us in confidence today to hear you say, son, daughter, I do not condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. May it be so today. Jesus, we pray. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.